sneer. Get ready. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to episode 38 of the Play to Win podcast. My name is Tyler, and I am your host this week. Um, I am not joined by Karen this week because he has personal matters that he has to attend to. Um, so he is missed this week, but hopefully he will be back very, very soon. Uh, remember, this is a show where we talk about the week's biggest gaming news uh, through in-depth discussion. There are timestamps in the description if you want to bounce around through different topics. Uh, this episode is going to be a couple different topics, a lot of them, um, because the way we're going to be doing this episode but we'll get to that in a bit remember you can also check out our site playtowaygames.wordpress.com it's a home for all of our content so you can go check it out over there um if you want to read reviews that we've done or previews instead of watching the videos the written versions are over there on our site so by all means please go check it out um also follow us over on twitter and instagram at play to win game follow us uh over there for updates on the show uh other little things that we might post over there as well and subscribe to us on youtube uh youtube and our podcast services subscribe to us on all those platforms while you're on new youtube uh subscribe and hit the notification bell that way you know as soon as videos go live uh leave comments likes reviews share the stuff that we post uh share our content it's all so very much appreciated it helps out a lot so please 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 we implore you to do all of those things and you know enjoy the show we hope you all enjoy it now like i said before kieran is not here this week and originally this episode was going to be the episode where we did our big halo infinite campaign spoiler like discussion at all um but because he's not here this week that's not gonna happen that episode is going to be delayed a bit we're still gonna do it it's just a matter of when it's gonna happen and all like that but of course follow us on twitter and instagram uh for updates as to when that episode will go down uh so this week instead it's a bit of a slow news week not too much big news happened but what i'm gonna do is i'm just gonna kind of do like a quick rundown of the notable news from this week and some of these topics will be more in that kind of like dig into a bit others will just be you know like a just a brief real this isn't gonna happen and we keep on pushing it's kind of like a brief mentions episode in a sense so without further ado we're just gonna get right on into this episode here with our first news topic, that being that Sony has finally announced that they will be putting out different color faceplates for the PS5. Uh, the colors that they announced are black, red, blue, purple, and pink. The covers will cost $55 and they go on sale starting in January. And going alongside these new covers, there will also be new controller colors as well. That Right now there's already a black and a red controller, but there will be a blue, purple, and pink controller going on sale as well to match the new um, PS5 faceplates. I think that the uh, the new colors look really, really nice. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get any a new faceplate for my PS5. I'm not sure just yet. Um, if I did, though, I would probably want to get the black or the blue because that blue is actually really, really nice color blue. Uh, red is my favorite color, but I'm not really feeling the red that they have going on here. So probably wouldn't do that one. But Sony's doing that. They finally announced it. And, you know, everyone who was out here trying to make their own that was getting sued by Sony. Uh, sorry, but now we know why. Although it was kind of like written in stone that this was going to happen eventually at some point in time. <laughs> Speaking of Sony, sticking in that realm, 
they are trying to fix their relationship with indie developers. Um, earlier this year, actually, uh, IGN's Rebecca Valentine, she put out a report on the tense relationship that Sony was having um, with indie developers who had expressed frustration with how the company was treating them. And that was actually, I believe that might have been the first episode of the podcast that I hosted by myself um, back when Kira was sick with COVID earlier in the summer. And when we did that, when I did that episode, I was talking about how like Sony needs to do better. They need to treat the indie developers with better respect because if you want them to be on your platform, you have to treat them well. If you don't treat them well, they're going to go somewhere else. And on top of that, you want your platform to have a number of different types of games. You want your platform to thrive. You want indies to thrive and succeed. You have to, you have to treat them with respect and help them out and all like that. So in this new follow-up report, that Rebecca posted uh, that she wrote over at IGN. Uh, it seems like Sony is taking steps such as making communication easier and simpler for indie developers. They're updating their backend tools and their ticket system for handling requests. And they're also giving indie devs better access to sales, analytics about performance and discoverability. These were all things that in the initial report, indie devs um, were coming out and talking about. Uh, they, they were saying that they, some of them has to wait like, nine months for responses to issues that they were having they weren't able to put their games on sale whenever they want to or even like get access they were getting much access to sales period they were having trouble like having the games get discovered on the playstation store it was a, a whole host of issues but it seems like sony is taking steps towards making these things better and improving uh the service and the playstation store and just their relationship with indies overall um in, in uh, Rebecca's new report, uh, it says here that the devs they, the devs that gave comments in the follow report, they do seem to agree that there have been improvements. And although things are like a bit slow going in some areas, it is still great that Sony is improving at all. That seems to be the general consensus based on the um, discussions that Rebecca Valentine had with these indie devs in this follow report. So I highly suggest everybody go to IGN, go check out this um, report that Rebecca Valentine did. She's a fantastic reporter. Um, and it just gives a nice little view inside uh, the you know the things that we don't see the behind the scenes that we don't see or really hear about too much in the gaming industry and all. And I'm very happy that Sony is trying to you know fix this relationship with indie developers. You know they haven't been too public and vocal about these different things and all like that. Um, so as long as as long as they're still you know as long as they're working to make things better, that is what matters at the end of the day. So go to Sony for doing that. Now we're gonna stick talk. We're gonna stick to talking about indies for a little bit here, um, because this week Nintendo held an Indie World Showcase, and this Indie World Showcase, a lot of the games in it um, were ones that are coming sometime next year. Some of them shadow dropped the exact same day as the showcase, and I'm not gonna go through all the games in the showcase, um, but I am gonna go over five highlights from the showcase. One of which uh, is probably my favorite game from that showcase. It is Sea of Stars. Uh, it's a prequel to The Messenger, for those who may or may not know. Uh, the Messenger it was a 2D side-scrolling uh, Metroidvania type of game, if, if I recall. Uh, Metroidvania might not be the correct genre, um, but it was one of those types of games and all. And it was, a lot of people praised it, a lot of people really liked it. So this is a prequel to that, and it's heavily inspired by JRPGs. So it's not, uh, 
it's not a Metroidvania type game at all. And it has a really, really beautiful art style, um, lovely animations. The music is really great too. The um, composer, I forgot the composer's name. Um, but one of the composers who's contributing music to the game, he worked on uh, some, he worked on games like Xenoblade Chronicles, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, I believe, and other highly acclaimed JRPGs. So Sea of Stars is definitely one to keep your eye on. It is coming holiday 2022. So I'm very, very excited about that one. Um, number two here on my highlights list, we have River City Girls 2. It is announced it's coming summer. 2022 i have yet to play the first river city girls although i really really want to um just a matter of you know putting uh, putting time aside to actually go ahead and buy it and play it and dig into it but i really do want to play it so this sequel coming i'm very excited for it uh you know there's new characters if you play the first one then the characters that are in this one will be new to you like the ones that are new you'll know who they are and everything uh it just looks like a really fun beat em up so i'm really excited for this game for sure Number three on my list here, it is Locomotive. This is a point-and-click adventure game where you play as a lawyer, detective, and an undercover agent trying to solve a murder on a train, although they themselves are suspects. Um, this game seems really cool. I like the premise. I like the just the, the genre as well. I'm not really one who, again, plays point-and-click adventure games, but this one, it kind of tickles, it checks the right boxes for me. That It has a nice art style, and it has a nice premise. Uh, the gameplay seems like it'll be really fun. So I'm in on this one. I'm, I'm in on it. I'm definitely going to be keeping my eye on this one. I suggest you all do too. If any of this sounds like it checks your boxes, and it is coming summer of 2022 as well. Number four on my highlight list is After Love EP. Now, this one's a bit tough to describe, but it's a rhythm game and a visual novel as well, kind of, sort of. Uh, and it's about a boy that is grieving the loss of his girlfriend as he tries to create an EP that she wanted him to finish. Now, if you're someone who likes these um, these heartfelt, emotional stories like this, uh, who if, you, if you're a person who likes those types of games uh, and likes these kinds of stories, this game certainly looks like it will tug at your heartstrings and looks like it's going to be right up your alley. It's definitely right up my alley for sure. It is coming in summer of 2022. I am super looking forward to this game so, so very much. The art style is really cool. Um, and again, just the premise, just the premise, just trying to finish this EP that your girlfriend wanted you to, um, wanted you to make and all like that. It's just, it hits, it just hits me in the heart. It hits me like right in the right spot. So very much looking forward to that. Um, and number five highlight is that Chicory, A Colorful Tale, is now available on Switch. This indie game came out earlier this year uh, and it came out on PlayStation 4, PS5. I don't know if it came to PC, but it was highly, highly critically acclaimed. So as one I've wanted to play, I just have not gotten around to it, but it is now available on Switch for people to play. So by all means, um, go ahead and read reviews if you have not heard about the game and want to know more about it. If you have played it already and you want to play it again on Switch, by all means go ahead and get it. Or if you've heard about it and just have been waiting for the right time, Switch might be the right time because now you can take it on the go with you wherever you want. So those are five of my highlights from the Indie World Showcase. Again, there were a lot of other games there. Um, there were even more, there were more games there that I thought were cool. Um, but again, some of them, I, these are just my five highlights for sure. The ones that really stood out to me, that really spoke to me. Um, so definitely go ahead, go check out the, um, Indie World Showcase. It's only about 20, 25 minutes, not too long if you haven't already, or just go read a recap somewhere. 
Uh, we're going to stay with sticking with the Switch for two more stories here. First of which being that the Switch Online Expansion Pack has added five new Genesis games to the service, those being Altered Beast, Toe Jam and Earl, Dynamite Heady, Sword of Vermilion, and Thunder Force 2. Uh, if you are a fan of any of those games, here you go, they're here for you. If you are not a fan of any of those games, I'm sorry. Or if you are just someone who wanted to play more Genesis games and, you know, want to play, try something new and different that you never did before, here are five for you. I don't really know too much about the quality of any of them. I think aside from Altered Beast, I have heard a lot of people say Altered Beast is not that great or it just did not age well at all. Um, but hey, five new Genesis games on Switch Online expansion pack. Great, great, great ad right there. Uh, but of course, uh, even if you're not a big fan of these Switch games here, and if you're not a fan of you know the indie games that were shown at any World Showcase, at the end of the day, it still doesn't really matter because the Switch was yet again the best-selling console in the U.S. for November, selling 1.13 million consoles, and it remains the best-selling console of the year, which, yet again, it, the, the, the Switch is a juggernaut. We keep on saying it. It's, just, it's, a, it's like a broken record thing. The Switch is just a beast when it comes to sales. It had that one month where uh, where, where the PS5 sold more than it, breaking the Switch's uh, years-long streak of being the number one best-selling console. And right after that, the next month, bam, Switch came back at the top for October, and now it's back at the top for November. I would not be surprised if it happens again for December, January, February, so on and so forth, until supply gets better for the PS5 and Series X and Series S, So. Congratulations, Nintendo. You have a juggernaut on your hands, and you already know this. So we're just going to keep on moving on to our next story here. That being that Tencent has acquired Turtle Rock Studios, the developers behind Back for Blood, the Left for Dead series, and Evolve. Um, although the studio now has new ownership, they will retain the independent operation that they've been running thus far, and Turtle Rock Studios co-founders Phil Robb and Chris Ashton will remain in charge. Um, also, Back for Blood, which was published by WB, uh, this will be unaffected by the new acquisition. Uh, Tencent did announce they did confirm that. Um, and then a press release got put out, of course, announcing the whole thing and everything. And I was going to read a quote from the press release by Turtle Rock President and General Manager Steve Goldstein, or Goldstein, sorry, I'm not sure how it's pronounced, um, where he says, quote, We are all looking forward to joining the Tencent family of studios. Uh, Tencent outstanding partners, global reach, deep knowledge of gaming, and unprecedented support will help us create the kinds of ambitious games we dream of, while allowing us to retain our autonomy and independent spirit, end quote. Um, I know that people on the internet have thoughts about Tencent uh, acquiring a number of different companies, Tencent and um, the Embracer Group, just out here buying a lot of companies. But I guess more specifically Tencent, because Tencent is a Chinese company, and that's where you get it. And things get a bit fuzzy when you introduce a Chinese company acquiring all these, you know, American and game studios and stuff like that. I don't know too too much about Tencent itself, uh, or necessarily how what this could possibly mean long term for Turtle Rock Studios, but. It seems right now things are fine. It seems like this is something that um, Turtle Rock wanted to do and looks forward to doing. So, hey, good for them. Congratulations to them, I guess. Uh, hopefully, you know, you're, they're able to now make, you know, more of the games that they want to make. And since they're not independent anymore, they won't be just kind of like, 
oh man, what are we going to do for money, so on and so forth, they're now owned by Tencent, this company with a bunch of money, clearly. So there is that news right there. Uh, now the next bit, next news story is it's a bit of a funny one. Uh, it's that Stalker 2 developer GSC Game World, they announced plans this week to include NFTs in the game. Uh, namely, the ability to become an NPC in the game. And, of course, because this involves NFTs, people got mad, got a whole lot of backlash from the gaming community. Now, the next day, they went on Twitter and they tried to explain their decision, why they're doing this, in a very lengthy statement. Put out this super long statement on Twitter and then deleted that post and then canceled all their NFT plans within a matter of 30 minutes. Within 30 minutes, they put out this super long statement saying, hey, this is why we're doing it, guys. And then they said, actually, you know what? Delete that, delete that, put up another statement. We're not doing it. No NFT stuff is going to be in Stalker 2 at all. We hear you guys. We don't want to do it. We just want to do make the best game for you all. So we're not going to do it. All in a matter of 30 minutes. So if you were invested in Stalker 2 and you got put off by the idea of NFTs, uh, don't worry, it's not there. Uh, if you are just a staunch person against NFTs that didn't care about Stalker 2, you just don't want NFTs in games, period, you can rest easy. It's not going to be in this game. They are not going down the Ubisoft route of having an NFT store and all sorts of stuff going on. So good on GSC Game World. No NFTs in Stalker 2. Now, we're going to move on over, away from NFTs. We're done with NFTs for today's episode, as far as I know. Yes, we are. Uh, we're going to talk some Halo, very briefly, uh, because the Halo TV series, you know, the one that has been announced for some time, has been in development for a while. We got our first kind of lengthy look at it, like a one-minute look at it during the Game Awards. Uh, that TV series has been confirmed to be in its own canon, called The Silver Timeline. It is not in the same canon as the games or the books at all. And the reason for this is basically it just allows them to make a TV show where they can tell the stories that they want to tell without like trying to be burdened by fitting into the narrative of the games and the books and all. So it's like, we want to tell this story with Master Chief, but it has to happen at some point between either like before Halo 1 or sometime between uh between four and five and then five and um infinite it's it's really it's really weird that'd be really like constraining trying to make this tv series fit that type of narrative so i think it's cool it allows them the freedom to do what they want to do on the screen and allows the games the freedom to continue doing what they want to do with the games and then the books and so on and so forth so i'm cool with it uh now not to be left out of being having like a film or tv adaptation of some sort mega man is apparently getting a live action netflix movie this has not been officially confirmed yet but according to ign and their sources this is a thing that is happening i don't know how i feel about it being a live action movie i don't even know how to picture a live action mega man movie to be quite honest it seems a bit weird I think a Mega Man movie will probably be better off as like something animated or CG, something like that. I mean, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie is a live action and that one managed to do pretty well and actually be a success and we got a sequel on the way for that. So I mean, I think anything is possible. Anything is very much possible. Um, but I, I think 
Mega Man maybe just would just lend itself better to being a CG or like a 2D animated movie or series, not live action. Of course, nothing is official or anything like that. We do have to wait for official confirmation from Netflix on this. Uh, but I, I'm not. I mean, I'm not even the biggest Mega Man fan, but I'm not holding my hopes pretty high on this one, to be quite honest. Uh, now we're gonna move on over to talking briefly about Cyberpunk real quick. Cyberpunk, that game that came out last year after years and years of anticipation and hype, to a very poor launch. With, that was just filled with bugs and crashes and poor performance and visuals and just a lot of disappointment across the board. Uh, that game, created by CDPR, uh, CD Projekt Red, I mean, specifically, uh, the developers have settled a class action lawsuit, according to The Verge, with shareholders over the poor launch of the game. And how much was the settlement? million dollars for reference if you want to have this bit of reference in your mind the game cost about like 300 million or so to make and made that money back the day of release (laughs) so settling this lawsuit for 1.85 million dollars is kind of chump change uh when you think about it but that is that's a thing that happened and hopefully cdpr could just continue to move on with the cyberpunk life cycle and get make the game better get the next gen versions out there get the get the um dlc expansions out there and we can you know actually tell it like cyberpunk 2077 success story of some sort uh in a year or two hopefully i i'm kind of hoping that all the bad news surrounding cdpr cyberpunk is in the past now i hope so i would like to you know not have to talk about more bad cyberpunk news in the future so please let this be the last bit of it please and thank you cdpr now a good number of games came out this year and sometimes you know you just kind of wonder man what game was the one that people played the most what's the one that was the game what was the game that people like beat the most because uh, you might be surprised like people don't really finish a whole lot of games sometimes so according to how long to beat fun little tidbit here resident evil village was the most completed game of the year with 2.5 thousand recorded completions surprising to me really surprising to me but coming in behind it in the top five are metroid dread at number two ratchet and clank rift apart at number three it takes two at number four and super mario 3d world plus bowser's fury at number five Resident Evil Village being number one, though, I, you know, I, I gotta say, I know Resident Evil Village was, like, a great, was a pretty good game when it came out, and all, I know people really liked it, but I really didn't realize how many people really liked it, uh, ever since it first came out, so, it being the most completed game of the year, kind of a surprise, but I, I, I think it also, like, I know Resident Evil games, they kind of work towards, um, what's the word not work towards but they they're really fit for speed running they're they're short enough where you play through it once and then you're like all right i want to go through it again try to do it faster and so on and so forth and going from there and all so when i think about it like that it kind of makes sense that village was the most completed game of the year if they're counting like one person beating the game like 10 times as opposed to like individual people doing one completion like one person did one completion this person did that completion that counting for the all the completions it depends on how they're counting it but in the end resident Evil village most completed game of the year 
congrats to them. Good on them for that one. Another uh, another feather for the team over there at Capcom to put in their hat for Resident Evil Village this year. Now talking about teams that have feathers to put in their hats, we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about uh, Square Enix and Final Fantasy fourteen. Because as we all know, Final Fantasy fourteen has become a very successful game in I don't wanna say a very fast time, but this past year has seen the game reach new heights of success that it had not seen before. And, you know, the most recent expansion, Endwalker, just came out about a week or so ago, and people were loving it, people were enjoying it, servers were going crazy, uh, players were struggling to get into the game and all like that, because so many people want to play Endwalker. And because of how popular the new Endwalker expansion is, Square Enix has temporarily halted sales and advertisements for Final Fantasy XIV in order to try and manage just how many people are trying to access these servers for the game. It, it, it's This is kind of, I don't know if I'd say, I don't know how unprecedented this is, but it is, it's simply amazing and fascinating to see this happen. A game that is just, it's so popular that the developer has to say, no, we cannot sell anymore right now. We're not airing any ads anymore right now because we need to get the server situation under control. I mean, earlier this year, Square Enix, they did like temporarily halt sales of the of Final Fantasy fourteen for, I forgot how long, it was only like a few days, maybe like no more than three days, I think, because so many people were trying to join the game and all like that. So, and Walker came, but they, had to, they got to do it again. Uh, I, so yeah, like I said, I think that's just a testament to how good Final Fantasy fourteen is and how well made it is how much people really like that game and just how great a job um the team over there at Square Enix has done with it so put that feather in your hat guys Yoshi P put that feather in your hat you all so deserve it and you all deserve a lot a lot of rest <laughs> I'm I hope you all get a lot of rest over the holiday break please please get your guys self um some rest please now last week's episode of the podcast we talked about Bungie uh, and the report also by Rebecca Valentine over at IGN that came out extensive lengthy report about the workplace culture over at Bungie and how it kind of really hasn't been the best. It hasn't been the best, but the company was trying to actively better themselves by getting rid of people, by being more diverse and so on and so forth through a number of different ways of trying to better themselves. If you want to hear that discussion, by all means, Go check out last week's episode. We don't talk about it too much because that episode we also recapped the Game Awards, but we do talk about it some and the link to Rebecca's um, report on the workplace culture at Bungie is also in the description of the episode. So I highly, highly, highly encourage everyone to go check that out. It's a fantastic article. Um, but Bungie, like we, like I just said, they got a whole lot of stuff going on over, over there. Uh, the head of HR at Bungie Gail DeHunt, I believe is how you pronounce her last name, uh, she has stepped down from her role at the company, and which she had been in that role for more than 14 years. And she is also stepping down from her role as Senior Employee Relations Manager. Uh, IGN received an email, well, they didn't receive an email, but they saw screenshots of an email that Gail sent to Bungie employees in which she looked back on her time at Bungie and stated how she wants the company to get better and continue to improve. I don't, I'm not quite sure if Gail here stepping down is a result of the 
IGN report that came out or if this was something that she kind of just wanted to do but I would not be surprised honestly if it is a result of the report coming out um but yeah when you read uh when you read the article she kind of talks about in her letter that how it's been how like she liked she liked her job she liked you know being there at Bungie and all and trying to help people uh although some of the situations that she had to handle were like really difficult interpersonal relationships at work and how one of the people that she even like had to report was her own abuser who then got fired from the company so it i'm sure it's been really difficult i'm sure this wasn't a decision that she made lightly i sincerely just hope the best for her and i also you know reiterate what she said as well about just wanting the company to be to continue to get better and improve uh with time because Bungie there Bungie's a great company that makes great things and I'm sure there are great amazing people there and they all deserve to be able to work at a place where they're treated with respect and uh equal equality and so on and so forth you get what I mean so again by all means go read Rebecca's initial report and uh if you want to read this article as well it should be one of the first articles there on IGN uh great stuff over there by Rebecca Valentine now we're gonna talk. We're still gonna talk about um, video game developers making in like improving their workplace. And this one is about the first game developer union being formed in North America. It doesn't come from a AAA developer. It comes from an indie developer that formed earlier this year. That developer being Vodeo Games, uh, and they're the union group that they have. It is called Vodeo Workers United. And the group partnered with the Communication Workers of America and their gaming slash technology focus group campaign to organize digital employees to form this new union. Now, they released a statement on Twitter this week uh, in which Vodeo Games founder and uh, game co-director Asher, uh, I'm sorry, Asher Vollmer, sorry, her name, uh, the words here getting all mixed up in front of me. Um, so, in a statement released on Twitter, Vodeo Games founder and game co-director Asher Vollmer stated, quote, it was a no-brainer to step back and proudly watch them do what no other game company in North America has, end quote. Uh, she, they're, the company and the upper management over there at Vodeo Games, they just, they recognize, they voluntarily recognize this union and they support it 100%, which is fantastic. We, you love to see that. You love to see that the employees are getting the support, um, to stand up for themselves and have a seat at the table as well where they're able to say these are the conditions that we want to have for us working here this is what we want we want this this and that uh in order to make this a great workplace and for the upper management the company to be like you know what do your thing guys you got it we support you we're here with you we want to be with you on this fantastic it's great on them uh, so like I said, Vodeo was created earlier this year and they put out their first game, Beast Breaker, in September. Uh, the studio consists of 13 employees and it's fully remote with full-time workers and contractors across the U.S. and Canada. They also have four-day work weeks on limited vacation days uh, with an enforced minimum. Now in the Vodeo game, in the Vodeo Workers United Twitter thread where they first made the announcement, the group says that it was inspired by other game dev groups across the industry, including the Activision Blizzard employee group, A Better ABK. Uh, and in one of their tweets, they say, quote, 
By ensuring more workers like us have a protected voice on the job, we can set a precedent for new industry-wide standards that will better our shared working conditions, end quote. And I wanted to poll, poll, I wanted to poll that quote out specifically because it's like I said earlier this year when Karen and I were talking about all the Activision Blizzard stuff when it was kind of first popping off. And we talked about that and the the specific uh, thing I said, I don't remember verbatim, but it's on my Twitter page. It's pinned on my Twitter page um, at Tyler Miller 2496 if you do not follow me. Uh, in which I say that the episode was titled, is this kind of like the start of a new change? Is this, was this the start of industry-wide change? Because at the time when we recorded that episode, all the Activision Blizzard stuff was just popping off. You had the employees over there walking out. You had some like different companies uh, speaking out against it, supporting the empo- the employees over at Activision Blizzard. And it was a time where we were saying, is this going to be the start of change? Because Activision Blizzard is one of, if not the biggest gaming publishers in the industry. And for something as big as what happened over there to happen there, you like you just have to know what happens at a number of other uh, number of other developers and publishers as well. It just it just does. It just has to. Even if you don't hear about it, it just has to. And the gaming industry, it's famously a place where people are taken advantage of and overworked and so on and so forth. I mean, there's numerous stories of this across many different developers and publishers and all. So we were wondering, like, is this going to be the start of industry-wide change where we see where we see different developers across the industry form unions, where we see them start speaking out more and standing up against the people at their company that make their lives terrible over there, whether it be because they're overworked or harassed or assaulted or um, neglected or discriminated against, or so on and so forth, what have you. So it seemed like to, to see that all these months later, we are seeing industry-wide change slowly very slowly seeing industry-wide change with the first North American video game developer union I I think that says a lot and I think it says that everything with that division blizzard truly was the start of industry-wide change and I do think that over time we're gonna see more companies and more t- um, teams and development teams speak out and say, hey, we've formed a union. We've formed a union. We're doing it over here. We're doing it over there. Because we see this one team. We saw this one in- this team over here. Granted, they are an indie team. They're a smaller team. It's only about 13 people there. But even still, we saw this development team do it. And that gave us the courage and the strength to go, if they can do it, we can too. And we will make it happen however we have to. So I do think, again, that what happened earlier was the start of industry-wide change. And Vodeo Games forming their union is going to set a precedent for new industry-wide standards, as they they say. And I'm very proud of them. I'm very happy for them for doing this. Congratulations to everyone over there at Vodeo Games. It seems like uh, things are going to be going very well over there. And it seems like things have already been going well over there. But... Like things will continue to get better and improve over every video game. So good for them. Congratulations to them. Good for you all. Now, our final two stories for this episode, they are both Ubisoft ones. And the first one 
is that Ubisoft has officially and finally, after God knows how long, announced a Splinter Cell remake is happening. So yes, Sam Fisher is finally getting his own game. He will no longer just be relegated to making cameos in other Tom Clancy games or being relegated to a character in a mobile game. He is finally getting his own game, even if it is just a remake of the original Splinter Cell. Now, this game is very early in development. It's so early in development that the team is like, yeah, we're hiring for it, okay? We, we don't have anything to show. We're hiring, all right? But it is early in development at Ubisoft Toronto, the studio that developed the last game in the franchise, Splinter Cell Blacklist, and they also recently worked on both Far Cry 6 and Watch Dogs Legion. Now, what we do know about this game, uh, in the announcement, it was kind of like a blog interview type thing that Ubisoft posted on their website. In this interview, we do get a little bit of tidbits of news about the game. That being that the game will use the the Snowdrop engine, my mistake, uh, which is used in the Division games, as well as the upcoming Avatar Frontier of Pandora game. Uh, The new Splinter Cell remake, it will be linear. Very key and important thing here. It will be linear not an open world game with an emphasis on the stealth that the steer that the series was known for that's a very 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 important thing that many people were always wondering and cautious about because you modern day ubisoft they're they don't really make linear games like they did back then with the first splinter cell um many of their games now they're these big open world games whether it be the size of Assassin's Creed or Valhalla, or the size of Far Cry 6, or like even Watch Dogs Legion, which much smaller world, uh, still an open world game though. They don't really do sing, like linear single player type games. So the fact that this new Splinter Cell game is going to be linear, it's not going to be open world, and it's going to be an emphasis on that stealth that fans know and love. Those are all like the right things that this game needs to do in order to kind of get people interested and excited and for people to have faith in the developers of the game. Uh, and the team is also going to be updating some design elements for the modern day. Uh, I'm not sure, I never played the first Splinter Cell, so I'm not sure exactly what things would be updated from that game to this game, but I'm sure they mean probably mean things like controls, maybe mission design, uh, level design, so on and so forth. Certain things about the game are gonna be updated for the modern day. That way, it's not like you're playing a game from the 2000s in the modern day. I feel like a modern day game, a modern day version of that older game. So, that's very exciting. I, I'm i definitely going to play this for sure, but well, I don't want to say for sure yet because I mean, we haven't even seen anything of it. But I'm definitely interested in playing this game. I definitely want to see what the game is, what it looks like, and what things they've done with it once that time comes. When do I think this game is coming out? It's 2021 now in December when we're first hearing about it. I don't think we see anything for this game until 2023 at the earliest, if then. 2024 is probably a bit more likely. Uh, but this game, I don't think it, I don't think it releases until 2025 very likely i think 2025 is like a safe bet for when this game comes out so we got a bit of weight on it most likely uh it'll be a while before we see anything from it but sam fresh is coming back he's coming back in a remake linear single player emphasis on stealth that's all really great things to hear but our final piece of news today like i said it's another ubisoft one and it is that assassin's creed valhalla is getting another expansion that's a big expansion 
called Dawn of Ragnarok. It is coming out March 10th, 2022, and it takes place in the realm of Svartalfheim, uh, as Eivor steps into the role of Odin. I have not played Valhalla yet. In fact, I have it right here next to me, still in the, um, still in the plastic, as you can see. Literally, uh, maybe you can't really see. You can kind of see it in the camera. Still in the plastic, just because I, I just have not had the time to jump into Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I know the game's going to be huge and massive, and I already heard it super long, and I got burned out by Odyssey playing that uh, earlier this year and last year. So I was like, I need to take a break. But so all that being said, I don't know if this is a spoiler for me <laughs> in terms of whether or not, oh, like, Eivor stepping into the role of Odin. Did Eivor become Odin at the end of Valhalla? I, I have no idea. Um, but all that being said, uh, the Dawn of Ragnarok expansion it is said to be the biggest piece of Assassin's Creed DLC content to date with over 35 hours of gameplay. So it's basically the size of the main story of, let's say, like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I mean, not Odyssey, um, Origins. Like it, It's basically a normal Assassin's Creed game size, which is absolutely wild to think about but there will there's also a free content update that came to both odyssey and valhalla in the form of an event called assassin's creed crossover stories now this event added a quest in both games in which cassandra from odyssey comes to the world of valhalla and meets eivor which is very cool actually now did i I definitely was not as high on Odyssey as many of the people. I definitely did not care about Cassandra anywhere near as much as a lot of people. But I can admit, this is a very cool thing, having the protagonist meet up like this. Because this normally doesn't happen. The only time that I can remember this happening is in Assassin's Creed Revelations. When, uh, at the end of that game, well, even throughout the game, like uh, Ezio is having like these flashbacks to uh, uh, Altair's life. And at the end of the game... Uh, he like he comes face to face with Altair's corpse. It, it's it's a really cool moment, and I mean, there's even another moment. I believe it's in Assassin's Creed Two or Brotherhood. One of them. Um, well, no, I know my bad. It's also in Revelations, in like that very same scene when Ezio he like speaks directly to Desmond. Like these kind of crossovers are few and far between in Assassin's Creed, so it's very cool, and it makes me wonder if we're going to see more of these happening in the future because Assassin's Creed Infinity is there is the next kind of big project for Assassin's Creed the franchise and it's like they're saying it's going to be this kind of ever evolving thing and what that what that entails we really kind of don't know yet we don't know all the details because it's really early in development but is this something that we might get from Assassin's Creed Infinity where more protagonists from the franchise will cross over with each other and go into each other's worlds and expand the story that way. Who knows? I'm sure the diehard Assassin's Creed fans who have finished Valhalla and ate up all the DLC expansions that have already come out for that and ate up all the Odyssey expansions and stuff, I'm sure they probably have a better idea as to what like kind of crossover possibilities or would could like happen in Infinity. Um... But I do think, like, even as someone who is not as hot on the newer Assassin's Creed games, and honestly may bounce out after Valhalla, um, I do think just, again, the the prospect of this, of crossovers like this happening in the future, 
is very exciting. So, something to look forward to with that. And the, the Dawn of Ragnarok um, expansion, it sounds cool. It does sound cool. So, fans of the base game who have already played the, the other expansions in DLC, I'm sure you all are very excited about this. And I hope you all have an amazing time with it. Will I ever play it? It depends on how I feel about Valhalla, to be honest. We will see. We will see indeed. Um, but that is all the news for this week. That Not too many stories here. Uh, many of these are just small-scale things, nothing too, too big. Now, what have I been playing this week? Really have not played much this week. Uh, I, I don't know if I said it when we recorded the last episode, but... No, I didn't. I did finish Halo Infinite. I finished Halo Infinite on Monday, I believe. Monday or Tuesday. One of those two games. Uh, I mean, one of those two days. Huh? Games. Finished in one of those two days. And I'm not going to say what I think about it. Uh, because I'm going to save that for my review. And the spoiler episode that Karen and I do. Uh, as for my review of Halo Infinite, uh, the plan for that was for it to be out by Christmas Eve. As of right now, that is the intention still, but uh, with the with just the way that the upcoming days are looking, that might get pushed back some. I'm still in the process of writing that review, and I wanted to write it all today so that I could edit it tomorrow, Sunday. Um, well, and start editing it Sunday, and then have like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to continue working on editing it. It's not going to happen. I'm still in the process of writing it. I'm going to be writing some more of it on Sunday. So that video review probably will not be out on the 24th. It might, it'll probably end up coming out uh, the 26th or the 27th. I really want this one to be out not too long after Christmas. So we will see. Of course, I will be posting updates on Twitter about my progress with it and all like that. The only other game I played this week, though, was Fortnite. Just jumped in it for a little bit, dabble around and all. Got the new um, the Spider-Man No Way Home crossover outfit. Looks cool. Spider-Man is the way to my heart. Uh, you put Spider-Man in something, I'm probably going to jump on in there and get it and interact with it and play with it in some regards. Except for Marvel Avengers. Did not touch that. In fact, I deleted the game off my hard drive a day or two ago. I, I just have no interest in jumping back into that game. But um, that's all I've played this week. Haven't had too much time to play much of anything this week. Because uh, I've been really just focused on Halo and trying to finish that campaign. And then also do some more multiplayer um, to capture footage for that for the review. So look forward to that review. I'm very excited to um, write that review and put that video together. It should be a really fun one. This might be, um, this might be one of my favorite reviews I've ever done. It honestly might be. So please look forward to that. But with all of that being said, um, that's going to wrap up this episode of the Play to Win podcast. Hopefully, Karen will be back for the next one. And if he is, we should be able to do our Halo Infinite spoiler cast. I'm not going to put any say anything definitive on when that's going to happen and all. But certainly follow us over on Play to Win Game uh, to over on Twitter and Instagram. Sorry, my words getting all mixed up. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at play to win Game for updates on that stuff, to know when these things are happening and what's getting moved around, what's getting changed, so on and so forth. Um, subscribe to us on YouTube 
and podcast services. Turn on the notification bell, like, share, comment, review, leave all that stuff. It, it really helps us out a whole lot. I cannot stress that enough. It helps us out a lot. So please do those things. Uh, also remember, check out our site, playtowingames.wordpress.com. It's a home for all of our content. You can follow me on Twitter at TylerMiller2496. Uh, I did see Spider-Man No Way Home, so I, I'm being very careful with spoilers. I've talked about it a bit on my Twitter. I have liked and retweeted some things related to the movie, but I am not sharing anything spoilery. I'm not saying anything spoilery. I'm not liking or retweeting anything that has the spoilers in it. So you can feel free to follow me and know you won't get spoiled if you have not seen the movie yet. I promise you I'm being very careful because I'm really sensitive to spoilers as well. The movie was fantastic and amazing though. Definitely go see it if you have not. Uh, if you have seen it, please hit me up on Twitter. I want to talk about this movie with people. I desperately want to talk about it with people. So hit me up on Twitter if you have seen it. Um, and if you want to follow Karen over on Twitter, his Twitter as uh, is Badly Net, B-A-D-L-Y-N-E-T, all one word. With all that being said, though, thank you all very much for watching and or listening. We will talk to you all next time. Have a great one.